You're listening to The Community Exchange, a new podcast run by members of Asian and Pacific Islander Wellness Center's capacity building team. Each month, we will be talking with our staff, activists, community members, medical professionals, and other individuals on a variety of different topics. Our capacity building work is supported by funding from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Division of HIV AIDS Prevention. The views expressed here are those of the speakers and do not represent the official views of AMPI Wellness Center or the CDC. Hello and welcome to Community Exchange. My name is Melissa Margolis and I'm a Capacity Building Specialist at API Wellness Center. For people tuning in for the first time, each month on Community Exchange, you'll hear my and my fellow team members' voices as we talk with different individuals about their work and experiences in the field. We will be bringing people in to talk about topics often not discussed in the field. This first season of Community Exchange will be centered on transgender and gender non-conforming individuals' experiences. Each episode will be between 30 to 45 minutes so you can listen to them while on the go, on your lunch break, or on Thank your commute. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Community Exchange. Today our guest is Nico, who will be talking about trans men who have sex with men. Welcome, Nico. Before we begin talking, can you share with us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Nico. So I am a trans male-identified white person who grew up in Ohio, and I've lived in the Bay for the past eight years. Um, for the past six years, I've worked at Trans Thrive. Perfect. Thank you so much. Can you give us a brief overview about what you're going to be talking about today? So today we're going to talk a little bit about um, trans men who have sex with other guys. Um, it's not a community that's talked about a lot. Um, probably through a lot of the recording, I might refer to them as TMSM, which is trans men who have sex with men, so just for shorthand. Sort of my background and knowledge on that is actually my introduction to the agency was developing at TMFRAM, which is a program specifically targeted towards building community and resources for trans men within gay men's spaces. Um, so I've been running that program for over six years now, um, and so I'm excited to share today. Perfect. We're really excited to have this episode. So could you just give us like a little bit of like a brief um, overview about some of the activities that you're doing for trans men? Yeah, so we've done lots of things over the years. The very first thing that we did was sort of like develop a you know program plan, a mission statement, but we came out with these palm cards called the top five reasons to fuck a trans guy, you know, and I think going into it, we knew that they were, you know, kind of scandalous and cutting edge in some ways, but we had really thought long and hard about how to get gay men's attention and how to start thinking about trans men as sexual partners and how to start thinking about us as sexual partners and also, you know, the specific needs that we have as trans men hooking up with people. And so we developed these palm cards and actually had a booth at the Folsom Street Fair and distributed them um, to, you know, the wide range of people that came there, which was, you know, a very interesting event. And we've been at Folsom every year since. Um, So that's one thing we do is like go to local events that are LGBT or gay male specific and try to take up some space and, you know, like let people know that like there are gay trans men, queer, bi trans men, you know, who are in the community and and looking for cis male partners. Other things that we have done is we've done a myriad of workshops from everything from, um, we did a workshop on blowjobs for boys, which was all about (laughs) how to like, you know, please male identified folks from, you know, going down on strap on to going down on you know, testosterone, a large trans cock to going down on cis cock and sort of like the gamut of potential options around oral sex for male identified folks. Um, We've also done things like come and ask a trans man anything you want. And then the next month we did come and ask a cis guy anything that you want. 
we have done kink and bondage workshops. We have done um, things like Sex Club 101, or we do every, actually for one of the very first things that we started doing was we're a collaboration between the API Wellness Center and Trans Thrive and um, Eros, which is a men's sex club in the Castro. And so we center all of our programs around Eros because we wanted to center the program in an MSM space as opposed to a trans space. And so every second Thursday for pretty much the past six years is cruising night at Eros. So it's basically a night that Eros is very trans friendly every night of the week. There's a lot of trans staff. Some of the owners are trans, but on the second Thursday of the night or the month, rather, we um, have an RSVP list. So if you RSVP by the Tuesday before, you get them for free. So it's an opportunity for trans masculine folks as well as cis men to come to a tr like trans specific sort of night at the club where trans men know there will be other trans men as well as you know cis men that are interested in them and you know it started out slow but you know now six years later like we have a good 15 to 20 people that come every time and that is not counting the you know 20 or 30 people that might be in the club anyways mm -hmm. so it's been pretty exciting to see that sort of grow um so yeah, I guess that's sort of a brief yeah. overview. You were saying about, like, over the last six years, um, like, growing in terms of Eros and other things. Are there other conversations that you're seeing now coming up more in this area than six years ago? Like, how's the conversation changing? I mean, the conversation has definitely changed in the fact that there's a lot more awareness around the fact that trans men exist. I think without going into the long history of, like, passing privilege and politics around all of that, which is very important, but that trans women had often been more of the face of the trans movement. And I think, you know, now trans men are starting to become more visible mm -hmm. and people are starting to realize that like there are trans men in all parts of the community, in all parts of the world, and that there are, you know, there are plenty of gay trans men or bi queer trans men or trans men that want to have sex with other men. And so I think, you know, I moved to San Francisco eight years ago from Ohio um, and, you know, there was a big community here to begin with when I moved here, which is part of the reason why I chose to move to San Francisco was the fact that there was a large queer community, there was a large trans community that I could be safe, that I could transition in a space that people would understand me and support me. You know, nowadays, I think that there's just, there's a plethora of, you know, events and organizations and, I mean, and also I say plethora and like in comparison to many other places, like, <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes we also realize that we have limited resources here, but I think in comparison to a Ohio, lot of the rest of the world yeah, in Ohio, we actually have so many things to offer the, the trans community. Um, and so I think it's been really interesting to watch that shift of, you know, or like be, be on Craigslist and there was like no ads looking for trans men and now be on Craigslist, be them sometimes problematic. There are lots yeah. of ads looking for trans men, sort of like the awareness around, you know, the, the trans community and then the differences around the trans community and the, also the diversity of the trans community. Cause like now, you know, I feel like trans masculine experiences are becoming more present, but also like the gender queer, the mm -hmm. gender variant, the sort of non-binary, the in-between, like that space is also sort of coming more to light now. And I also think, you know, a big thing for me, you know, prep just came out, which is super exciting. And I think that so many communi communities all over the world can benefit from prep and helping us, you know, control and contain the, the HIV epidemic. But, you know, what I'm not hearing I guess sort of the reverse of your question is what I'm not hearing is sort of conversations around, okay, so I'm on PrEP and so I don't have to worry about HIV risk and I'm taking my medication every day so I know that I'm getting that 99% 
efficacy rate because if you don't take it every day, just like birth control, like the efficacy rate drops. You know, so you put yourself potentially at risk if you don't take your pill every day. Is you know, what about all the other STDs and STIs that exist? You know, like in the city, like I know syphilis, and, and now there are super strains of gonorrhea and chlamydia that are resistant to antibiotics. You know, they're herpes, like genital warts, those things are forever. And I don't hear any conversations around that. And then even more specifically for transmasculine folks, you know, we also have to worry about pregnancy for those people who don't want to have a histo or haven't had a histo yet. Like that is obviously a consideration because just because you take testosterone doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant. And lots of trans men also choose not to take testosterone or took it for a period of time and then stopped right. or on an incredibly low dose where they might still have some sort of cycle. And so... You know, that's one thing I think, like, in the gay cis male community that's probably not even entered their brains, that, like, yeah. birth control needs to be part of the conversation that I'm having. And, you know, I don't, I think that, you know, everybody's identity is valid, but let's, you know, at the end of the day, there's some, like, biological facts that, like, if two people are having sex that can potentially create a child, if you don't want to have that child, you need to be having the conversations that you need to have in order to protect yourself from that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about, like, how do you educate cis men who are having sex with trans masculine folks in regards to, like, what you're talking about, like, risk around STIs and pregnancy, and also just, like, talking generally about, like, trans masculine bodies, too, um, with cis gay men? Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. I mean, I think a lot of the work, while, you know, we try to do things like, you know, produce palm cards and take up space and just get people to start thinking about the conversation... A lot of it has been, honestly, I think, through, like, one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah. Through me having conversations with people, through my volunteers, through the trans guys that come to my programs having conversations. You know, like, every street fair, that's basically what I do the entire time, is sort of, like, talk about, like, the, the various shades of, like, trans identity or, you know, like, you as a cis gay man, like, you're interested or... You know, how, you know, and I've had questions from, like, how do I approach somebody? Like, a lot of them are very respectful. Yeah. It also, like, though, it's also another thing is, like, educating and then not also at the same time centering the conversation on cis gay men, which is difficult because, you know, there's a lot of questions that are coming up. Are these questions good? Are they phrased well? But um, at the same time, like, centering this about trans men. Right. I mean, it's a complicated part of the equation because... You know, all of our events are trans masculine first, yeah. like trans men first. You know, we welcome to the majority of our events. There's very few events that are sort of like trans masculine, trans male only. And those events are specifically specified. Mm -hmm. um, everything that we've done from like speed dating and whatnot is sort of trying to build in community. And so I'm trying to look at things that work in gay cis men's community and take them and tweak them. Yeah. and put out materials that look similar, that catch the attention of gay cis men that are all about trans men. So, like, another thing that I produced was we produced this, like, I call it, like, the trans cis primer. So it's basically, like, this little fold-out card, and on one side is, like, a primer sort of all about trans masculine bodies. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, all trans masculine bodies are unique, and so you need to talk to your partners and have those conversations, and that I'm making some generalizations around sort of the community as a whole, um, but that, you know, that there's, yeah. there's a lot of differences and there's a lot of diversity. And I think that's one of the things that's beautiful about our community, but it's also sometimes challenging to communicate when you're trying to give these sort of like general, right. you know, yay and nay sort of suggestions. And then sort of the flip side is all about cis male bodies. So for people, because some 
transmasculine folks have had experience hooking up with cis men. Some haven't. And I think, like, so a lot of my education was also focused on, like, supporting, you know, trans men to feel confident in negotiating risk, in negotiating sexuality with cis men, with bodies that they might not have ever had sex with. Or, you know, like, having somebody come on to you or being interested to you as a man is different than as a woman. And so, like, how to negotiate that space and hold that space. And so, you know, sometimes it's also the flip side of that is like I'm having conversations with lots of trans men mm-hmm. about like what, what works for you. And I don't have all the answers. I've learned a lot of things from other people over the years too, but I think it's that, that open information exchange and being sort of humble to the fact that everybody starts somewhere. And while I make make personal decisions about, like, I might not want to hook up with you because of whatever, but as a provider, I feel like it's my responsibility to have those harder conversations um, and, you know, be open to things that might feel stickier. Yeah. You've made so many, like, really amazing resources. Um, Do people have access to those? Like, I know you sent them all across the world. People are always saying, like, wow, this is a great program. Um, But are these more, like, accessible to other providers or... You yeah, know, so many members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely sent them all over, like you said. Um, and whenever, but anybody asks, I'm happy to send them because we're funded through the Department of Health. Like, it's it's part of the contract that I have to make my materials free mm-hmm. into the public. They're at all of our events, but they're also up on PDFs on the website, so you can go and download your own copy. Um, I'm actually working with on the API wellness yeah, website. Yeah, on the API wellness website. I'm actually working with a group in Germany that is group of like transmasculine folks that have sex with other guys and they want to basically translate the top five um and the primer which is super exciting and so like we had to talk about it because like obviously like direct translations don't always work (laughs) and so how they were going to like provide me you know like a copy of what it was and then they were going to translate that into like direct english and so i would know like what the differences looked like so it's super exciting to see like you know, my, have other people sort of build upon the work, you know, cause that's sort of what I wanted to do was like, I, I don't know everything, but just mm-hmm. to make space for this and to like help agencies and people and the community realize that like these people exist and that we also need to provide their resources too. Yeah. If there was like another program or project that you would do next, I know we talked about a little bit about things about like prep and what would you do as your like next materials if you had like infinite time and resources to do? <sighs> That's a good question. I think this is a San Francisco specific thing, but I think in a lot of ways, the idea of needing like social support is not as important because the community is so large here. And so it's easy to find like outlets to like make friends. But I don't think that there's a lot of good like social events for transmasculine folks and then the cis men. Like mm-hmm. when I was thinking about like, where do I do outreach to find the people come to my programs? I have no idea. Like, I go to gay men's spaces, I go to trans spaces, I go to queer spaces, but there's not really, like, a space where, like, trans men and cis men converge on a regular basis besides Eros. So, like, I think about, like, making more space for that Mm -hmm. within maybe, you know, maybe, like, there's a night at the Eagle or there's a night at other places around the city, but then also going deeper with the education it's like you know i did top five reasons to fuck a trans guy but maybe maybe it's time to do like the top five reasons to date a trans guy yeah or you know now that like the the idea of having 
trans men as partners is part of the conversation. Now let's talk about like how how do we actually like move forward with this conversation as opposed to just like you know making it all about sex and right. Like, you know, and also there are lots of people who don't need that 101 as much anymore. That's always going to be a need, just like with, you know, trans 101 is still needed. TMSM 101 is always going to be needed, I'm sure. But that, like, developing more, like, further in-depth conversations, like I was saying about prep, like, let's have a conversation about, like, okay, so you're on prep, but, like, what are your sexual health risks while you're on prep? Or, like, how to, you know, do risk assessment or like if you are going to choose to have unprotected sex like what questions do you need to ask your partners to make sure that you know you're assessing your risk and then also just working i think with providers you know more and more and more and especially like with providers that serve the gay men's community to make sure that they're including trans men in all their services and i think san francisco is definitely on that route um, but it's still not all of the agencies, you know, and, or thinking about like agencies that serve HIV positive people, there are HIV positive trans men and, you know, you don't really see them part of the equation. And I know it's a really small percentage, but it's still like, still, it's not that hard to add the yeah. word trans. If you're saying gay, bi, queer, men, like yeah. all you have to do is add trans in there too. And then you can make it more inclusive and more welcoming. Definitely. Yeah. Um, one thing I was, you were talking about with like the two one of like how, then how to date a trans guy. Can you talk a little bit about like, can you, uh, disclosure to cis partners, particularly around like individuals who might be identify as stealth and like how to disclose maybe, um, being stealth while also feeling affirmed in that identity. So disclosure and then how stealth people disclose or, um, I think we were thinking more about like, um, like how, um, I feel like identifying as stealth, but then also like navigating like gay sex, sex still, yeah. yeah, it can be complicated. And yeah. also like the emotional thing of being like I identify as stealth, yet it's being negated by having to disclose right. in some ways. I mean, I think disclosure in general is a super complicated conversation, and you know we've had I've had groups on it in the past, and it's come up many times. Like even when I ran the trans medicine support group, even with with girls, with anybody, yeah. like disclosure is a thing that's real for our community, especially you know I mean along the spectrum, but especially like after you have passing privilege and you're like in the gay man's community, and then people are sort of disappointed on some level sometimes when you disclose, which is also kind of a bummer. But I think for you know. In my personal perspective is that like disclosure is a very unique thing and you have to sort of assess out what is actually going to work best for you. Like I know a fair amount of trans men that, you know, are fairly stealth in their like day-to-day life that they hook up, you know, maybe without disclosing or, you know, maybe they only give oral sex and they don't take their pants off and that feels good to them and that works for them. And that's great for me. Like that makes me nervous as hell. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's really no right answer around disclosure. It's that like you have to decide what feels right to you. And sometimes that means doing it wrong and having it feel really weird. You know, like I've been in situations where like, I think the thing that I have been trying to figure out is like, at what point do I disclose? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, cause for me, like, I don't, I don't want to have sex with somebody without disclosing. Cause that just makes me nervous right. for other people. That's fine. Um, but now I'm like, well, do I disclose immediately? 
Do I disclose after we've built a connection? Do And there's pros and cons to all of those things from my perspective and from the other person's perspective. Because I've had situations where people have been like, you should have told me initially. Right. But then I've also had plenty of situations where I've told people initially and then they're disinterested, even if we were having like a nice conversation about whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like hard with disclosure and navigating like what it means for you and then also this random person you have no idea what about so right like yeah. what would this person where when would this person want to know I mean and that's sort of like the same as you were talking about earlier like at what point do I disclose that I'm in a relationship at what point do I disclose that I'm in a relationship with a woman at what you know there are all of these like yeah. levels of disclosure <clears throat> I remember and this was back before you know like when I first came to San Francisco before I think you know there was a lot of awareness around trans men I would always say, you know, there's something that I need to tell you, and I would be about to disclose my trans status, and people would be like, oh, you're HIV positive? That's okay. And sort of that, like, you know, that was that's often what is the disclosure, or the piece of disclosure yeah. in the gay men's community had often, that, that's what people would think I'm about to disclose. Or, you know, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but it used to be I would disclose, and people would be like, so you want to be a girl? And I'd be like, well, you know. <laughs> Like well, you know, and I just, I have always just kind of laughed because I'm like, why why do people not think that it happens both directions? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like culture and everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I mean, I think you know, going back, it's like disclosure is a really hard thing because I yeah. think it's really individual, and then it really depends on the person sitting across from you, and you don't really necessarily know. You know, I don't want to dupe people, but I don't feel like I'm duping people because I'm a person mm-hmm. besides and being also trans. Respecting like yourself, yeah, right. Like really. Yeah. Sort of like I was, you know, I showed you that uh, grinder thing, but it's like, you don't really have a right to know what's under my clothing unless we're going to have sex. And even then, like... I will, I can show you whatever right, I want. And I and dictate what it gets called and what yeah. it is. And like, you know, I'm still a man and a male-identified person regardless of what you see when you take off my clothes because that's your shit, not mine. Right. You know? Definitely. How do you, um, kind of continuing off that, like we were talking a little bit like navigating game, um, hookup apps, like where you kind of have those conversations about like exotification, but also devaluing transmasculine bodies, um, kind of like more abstractly. What do you think about like that kind of those two tropes that really exist? I mean, it's complicated because it's, I mean, like everything that we've yeah. talked about is complicated. Everything's horribly complicated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because. It's individual. It's so, yeah, right, I mean, you know. Because I get a lot of like, oh, I've really been curious about hooking up with a trans guy, or I really want to go down on you, and da 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 da, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, you're cute. I'd be interested yeah. in having this conversation with you, but I use barriers. Yeah. No reply. And so it's sort of like, oh, you want to have sex with me, but only in the parameters in which you want to have mm-hmm. sex with me, as opposed to like, this is going to be a no- negotiation, and like, you'll get what you right. want, and I get what I want, and we'll have a good time. Um, my way or the highway. Right. Know? And that, you know, I, and I was saying this before, but like that now that prep is around, which again, I don't, I don't want to demonize prep. I think it's a really great thing when it's used properly, but this sort of that like trans men are a dime a dozen mm-hmm. that if I won't do, fuck you the way that you want to get fucked, then somebody else will. And, and I don't, I guess I don't mean fuck you, but I mean in the sense that like, if I don't want to use barriers, yeah. then and they'll just find somebody that does, you know, that, that wants to have unprotected sex as opposed to like, oh, we've had a really nice conversation. I actually think that you're kind of cool. Like maybe we could have dinner and then maybe we could have some like fun afterwards. But no, actually, I didn't actually want to hook up with you. I wanted to hook up with a trans man, Mm -hmm. you know, and I sort of that like universality of, 
all the same person or... You're my experiment. Right. And I think that there's a way to be like a quote unquote first timer because I've been a first timer at plenty of things. There's a way to approach it and there's a way to be like kind and sensitive because there's no way that you're ever going to like learn how to have sex with trans men unless you have sex with trans men. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you can read, but like the practical experience in my opinion is like, that's where you're going to get the most of knowledge and experience. And so like being humble and open and like aware of like your privilege and sort of the situation that like how that might be sort of scary for the other person. And, and I never know what to expect when I disclose to somebody, but like when I disclose and somebody's like, Oh, okay. Like we don't need to make a big deal about it. You might have questions. You might be surprised. You might be whatever, but you know, like, I guess that's also part of like, you know, going back to like the 201, like I would really love to teach, teach people how to like react, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when somebody tells you, just be like, thank you for sharing that with me. Or like, yeah. I'm sure that was really, you know, difficult, difficult so thank yeah. you. And not instantly launching into, do you have a dick? Yeah. Do you do this? Do you do that? Do you, you know, and it's cause it's like, you already sort of were vulnerable with this person that you potentially don't know. And that's scary. And then you get immediately rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is a little caveat, but I, I, you know, I worked at Eros for a couple of years before I actually started TM4M. And so, you know, I was a psychology major in undergrad. And so Eros was fascinating to me and a little terrifying, you know, like I would hang out and just be like, what is going on? I don't understand this community. I don't know how to like cruise without saying words. Like, I don't understand any of this. And so it was really interesting to spend a lot of time just sitting and watching and sort of like trying to figure out like, how are those guys cruising each other? And what does this look like? Um, it's fascinating. It is. It's, it's totally like, fascinating. Like, wow. It's, I mean, I just would love to like go to bathhouses across yeah. the country and like do a, a study. But like one of the things that I learned was, and this is something that comes up often, like tr- trans guys who have never come to Eros, who've never been in mm-hmm. a sexual situation, like a sex club. Um, it was like, are people going to reject me for being trans? Like, is anybody like me? Da, da, da. Um, and I found really quickly that I've been turned down for being trans at Eros. It's happened, but not very often. Mm-hmm. Often I tell people I'm trans and they're like, oh, okay. And that's literally the end of the conversation. Yeah. But then what happens next is I'll say, I want to use a condom for a blowjob. And they'll be like, I'm not interested. And so I learned really quickly that I got rejected all the time for my safe sex practices, mm-hmm. not for being trans. Mm-hmm. And that felt okay. I was yeah. like, fine, you know, like if you don't we can disagree to... about this, right? Yeah. It's like, but it was nice to realize that like I wasn't always going to be turned down because I was trans. Because I think as trans people, sometimes we go into that like that mentality right. of like, who's going to love me? Who's going to date me? Who's going to fuck me? Who's going to cuddle me? Who's going to anything yeah. with me? Who's going to be my friend? And you know, and this is a specific situation where like people are coming to hook up, but still that like me being trans. Most of those guys were like horny and wanted to fuck and thought I was cute. And so we did, Yeah, you know, and it wasn't this like big, like I got to like think about it for days sort of thing, but that, that sometimes my barrier usage was a barrier. And so it was just nice to feel like it made me kind of confident in a way that I was not expecting. I was expecting to be turned down a lot for being trans and I wasn't, I it's like this non-entity that is out externalized and outside of you, the like barriers. Right. And so that's really, that's really interesting. Um, kind of on like a little bit of a tangent. Um, can you talk a little bit about like negotiating the process of like fluxing sexualities in general that like, can occur with starting to transition also to medically transition? Yeah, it's funny. Um, so I actually did my senior project in college on 
I literally did it on the like theory that testosterone makes you gay. Interesting. Because it annoyed the shit out of me. Um, and I'll tell you, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you my personal perspective on it. So I basically did like a, a qualitative analysis of like trans men. There's like 300 something trans wow. men across the country around like their shifts in their like attractions. Yeah. Um, because for me, like, and I think this came from like how I view my sexuality and the way that I've always been, but even back when I was like very strongly like dyke and lesbian identified, like that was really important to me. I was still sleeping with my gay boyfriends. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been very like queer and I've always been like, I just have sex with the people that I want to have sex with. And it's not necessarily based on where I've been, where they're, they've been or anything like that. I've always had sex with queer people. I guess that's the sort of commonality yeah. <laughs> in general. Um, and so, you know, I thought a lot about this. Like, you know, I did, I wasn't worried, like, oh, I'm going to take a saucer and I'm going to become gay because I already knew I was gay. You know, like, I, um, but I thought a lot about it at that. Like, why why is that? That a lot of people, once they start taking testosterone, all of a sudden discover that they have this attraction to men. Um, and is that about, like, injecting yourself with a drug? And, you know, there's I think there's some realities around, yeah, like, taking testosterone, like, increases your sex drive. And so, yes, there's some real, like biological need there where you're like oh my god like i'm super ramped up and yeah you know and so and on some levels like men are easier to have casual sex with so i think there's like an opportunistic piece of that mm -hmm. um but i also think and i said this earlier but when i was a girl i hooked up with people across the gender spectrum i'm a boy now and i hook up with people across the gender spectrum but having a gay man hit on me is different mm -hmm. than the way it was when i was still female identified having a guy hit on me and so as I transitioned and people started reading me more and more as male, like men were being attracted to me as a man. And that felt different and that felt affirming and that felt exciting because here I could have sex with maybe cis guys who have yeah. already had sex with, but in this different way and like have it affirm my masculinity. And, and it's also sort of, it was like the ultimate in my mind, it was like, I came to San Francisco and I got cruised like crazy. And I was like, this is awesome because yeah. like it, it was not something like I came from Ohio. So like the queer community is kind of hidden and underground, at least when I was there, mm -hmm. you know? And so to just be, I've always been attracted to men, but to have men like reciprocate that in a, in a and way. And show their attraction in a very specific way. Right. As yeah. a, before, like I was like very butch looking and I, you know, certain men were attracted to me, you know, mm -hmm. it was like this small group. And now it's like, it's, it's widened. Right. Like who was actually attracted to me. And I think that, so in my mind, it's not actually taking the testosterone. It's like, you know, it's, it's blending into to, to male culture and being read as a man and having men come on to you as a man. And I think that is like exciting. And it's like, yes, you may not have ever thought about that because you might have hated the way that men came on to you as a woman. But now that you're a man, you're like, you know what? This is actually really cool. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm flattered or, you know, like I... So I think it's more about the, uh, like, identity shift mm -hmm. than it is about the, like, biological response. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's my personal opinion, but it's also, you know... Of 300 other people that you surveyed. You know, I mean, I think that definitely there was, you know, some truth to, like, some people, I think, like I said, you know, just being really, like, sexually right. amped up and so, like, having sex with whoever because they needed to or wanted to, but I think a lot of it is just, like, you know, people who are queer to begin with, I kind of think hold on to that, you know, like... Right. It's, it's one thing that if you were like, I'm a trans guy and I'm great, like mm -hmm. I'm only interested in women. Like, I think like people who co-opt like a more queer, more fluid or flexible identity, it's like now that that space has been opened up to you to be 
gay with a guy, yeah. it, it's different, you know? And that's that's also one of the things that I think about now. It's like, a partner mostly with cis women, but I, I st- I'm open. Right. Um, and so it's like, it's weird sometimes to be with my cis female partner because we don't, we, I think we read pretty queer independently, but mm-hmm. sometimes when we're holding hands, it cancels it out. You know, now, like, to be visibly queer, which I was for so long, I either have to be alone or be with a guy. And so it's sort of, you know, it's, that's also sort of, like, for me, that's an, even more of an attraction to, like, mm-hmm. I miss being visibly queer. Yeah. And so... I hear that also a lot. Of like, okay, well, as a trans man, when I'm with my cis female partner, who I might have been with even before I started transitioning, now I'm not queer anymore. And what is... <coughs> Like, in queer spaces, how that feels is super different and interesting. Yeah. Actually, something I think about a lot is I have a lot of friends who are identified as femme trans men and how they're, um, like, I have a lot of conversations about, like, negotiating, like, sexual apps or just in, like, as a femme trans man in general, do you feel like a lot of, like, I feel like there's not very many conversations about yeah. that specifically. Well, you know, the whole femme experience, whether it's, it's we're talking about guys or girls, is really just a devalued experience in our society. Yeah. You know, like, I think about, like, looking at profiles and it says, like, only masculine men and only this and that and all this bullshit that just reinforces the misogyny and the sexism and the homophobia in the world that, you know, in my mind, like, when I transitioned, while, like, I don't, you know, 100% identify as a man, I realize that I walk in the in that way I also feel like it's my responsibility to be a different type of guy that I have control over the type of person that I am and the way that people see me I mean to some regard of course like there's 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 a certain to a certain extent you know I think it's just really kind of sad when we put like femme identities down because I think one thing for me that has been really you know I wasn't super comfortable with being very femme before I transitioned and now I'm pretty like I feel like I can run the gamut like some days I'm more butch and some days I'm more femme and you know a lot of my friends call me like really faggy and I love that like I like the that I can have a larger gender expression in this gender um and I think that is also one of the really beautiful things about our community. And it's not something that's talked about enough, but there are tons of trans men that are like out there that don't want to just reinforce the same bullshit stereotype of all men are masculine. Like, why would we just transition to then just reinforce the yeah. like dominant patriarchy in society? Like, that's that's not what I want. And I, I think that the vast majority of our community doesn't want that. You know, one of my really good friends and was actually the only other trans guy that I knew. And actually, I mean, I only knew two trans people really growing up. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he's just super rad. He's been, yeah. he's one of those people that like born and raised in Cincinnati and stayed there to do good fight. And him and cool. I have conversations because I feel guilty that I left <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jack, I don't know I'm how you're doing it. Western leaf. Right. Yeah. But they're this like super yeah. like fairy, like pink hair and like in tutus and does drag and does drag like very like gender performative mm-hmm. so they'll like come out as a girl and then come out as a boy and like just like fucks with gender like all over yeah. the place and does workshops on the femme experience for trans men at like philly and other places around you know it's i think it's really exciting you know yeah. and i think i think it's unfortunate that we as men as gay men as trans men as cis men reinforce that misogyny yeah. that like femme is bad that like yeah it's interesting just hearing a lot of experiences from like femme trans men of like oh i'm experiencing misogyny but in such an interesting and different way like you're saying like mask for mask and things like that right really... like if you're femme and you like boys why wouldn't you just be a girl yeah yeah exactly. i mean like that's sm- sort of you know and that whole people 
about sex and gender are not the same concept. Right. Like, well, it's interesting just, also, like, what you're talking about, like, oh, feeling affirmed now, um, you're, like, in how, um, like, cis men are attracted to you, but then also feeling it as a femme, like, trans men, like, how you're also feeling constantly not really devalued, but also it's the sex and gender thing of, like... Well, it's, like, yeah. honestly, like, as... As a trans man, sometimes I feel like I'm never enough. Like, there's always something yeah. that's going to be wrong with me before you hook up with me. Whether that's, you know, I'm not masculine enough, or I want to use barriers, or I have a partner, I'm in a relationship, or I'm trans, or whatever it is. Like, there always feels like there's all of these barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I don't understand, like, if you thought my picture was cute and we had a nice conversation, like, isn't that yeah. the basis of hooking them, yeah. up? You know, not necessarily, like... Something is external for them, yeah. Right, and, like, I don't understand... I can understand being attracted to masculine men or attracted to feminine men, but that, like, that is the only thing that you can find attractive or that it's so uh, horrible to be femme that you have to put in your profile masculine for masculine only. Like, you could just not reply or just say, I'm not interested to the people that you're not interested in because they are maybe a little too feminine for your taste. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, personal preference is really a problem. It's really how you like express that you know it's like everybody has mm-hmm. types yeah it's like thinking also though at the same time like our attraction is political and what that means too mm-hmm. there's a lot in queer space i think talking about that which is mm-hmm. interesting i think um if there's any is there any resources or exam i mean we talked a little bit about like stuff that you've made or any resources that you would say out um in the world for people who are listening to check or look at um, so there's a couple of things. So there's a guide called Primed that was produced by an organization in Canada. Uh, if you just type in Primed and Transband to Google, you'll be able to find it really quick. But it's all about like kink um, and like gay men's culture that's yeah. very trans inclusive. Um, another thing, and it's not exactly what we're talking about, but a couple of years ago, also from Canada, um, <laughs> they did the men get paps Two campaign which i think is really rad because it's all of these images of like trans men sort of like in like doctor's offices talking about why it's important for them to have you know obgyn exams too because that's something that often trans men don't do because of dysphoria or not having access to a proper you know a provider that has any sort of sense about them or so on and so forth but you know, it's something that's very important. Yeah, for, navigating, like, reproductive and, like, gynecological visits is, like, very stressful in so many yeah. ways. It's a whole other podcast. We could talk about well, that. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like we're lucky in San Francisco that we have the resources that we do, but, I, you know, I remember, like, being back home and having to go into the clinic and get, like, an STD test and, like... And then also, like, talking about your partners. You're like, let's talk about the last three partners, and then the person not. taking notes is like, oh, my gosh, drop their pen already. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so. the, the nice thing about that is, like, I know... Like, I've been in this field for a long time, so I am I can assess my own risk, and I don't need you to do that for me. But there's a lot of people that aren't in that situation, and yeah. so the provider should be able to talk to anybody and assess their risk and not, you know, fumble over their words or be surprised by anatomy. I'll just, yeah. I'll leave us with this little caveat. You know, I went to school in Yellow Springs, which is this little community of like 3,000 people in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And so I went out to Greene County, which is like out in the cornfields to go to the health clinic to get, you know, my free STI checkup. And, you know, I'm in like in stirrups and I'm sitting there and I'm like, fine, but kind of uncomfortable for, you yeah. know, it's uncomfortable yeah. even if like you're comfortable, yeah. you know? So <laughs> the doctor like does her business and then... 
all of a sudden, I'm still, like, in stirrups. Like, she's in between yeah. my legs. She goes, you know, I would really be worried about the size of your clitoris if you weren't on testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wow. I would like... just, like, didn't... I, I think I said, like, good thing I'm on testosterone because I didn't even have anything more yeah. weird to say. Because it's, it's one of those things that's, like... It wasn't exactly offensive or nasty or like, but it was just like you didn't need to say that. You didn't yeah. need to say it, and it like made me feel uncomfortable. And I'm already in a vulnerable, uncomfortable right. position. Right, I'm naked like, I from the half halfway down. Yeah. Like, think about what that means to like have to go in the office. Right, and, you oh, know no. that I know I'm on testosterone. We both know that testosterone does this to your body. Yeah. Like, why you work in this specific field yeah. that you should be right. Now. right. So it's like. You know, just having more education for providers. That reminds me of like the trans health fails hashtag that was going around yeah. for a bit. If you, if you haven't heard or looked at that, yeah. you should definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, is there anything like last things that you would like hope like one thing that you would want people to take away from today? Today's episode that is not today in life. Life in general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just really important to realize that trans men who have sex with other men are here and are potentially at risk and that they deserve attention too. Um, many other communities have been disproportionately affected by HIV. And I think this is like one of the only communities that hasn't been touched by it. And I think that we have the opportunity to avoid that. And that's to me really exciting as a provider. And, you know, I think just to remember that in all conversations talking about trans people, I firmly believe that, yes, a lot of the focus should be on trans women and more specifically on trans women of color, but not to forget that trans men exist and not to forget that trans men who have sex with men exist, you know, because we are part of the equation. And I also believe, um, and Nikki and I have had this conversation a couple of times, I actually also believe that a lot of the people that have sex with trans women are also having sex with trans men. And so I actually think that we're sharing a lot more partners. And so that makes me think like, if trans women are at high risk for HIV and trans men are sharing partners with trans women as well as having sex with cis men who are also at really high risk right. for HIV, like logically speaking, trans men have to be at high risk, you know? And, and yes, I realize that it might be a small percentage of the trans masculine community, but still. It's there. And I, important I, not to forget. Right, yeah. and it's important not to forget and to just include it as part of the conversation. I don't think that trans men should always be the focus. Um, and I think especially like folks of color in, in both the trans female and trans masculine community should be the focus. But in reality, like at the end of the day, like I just to remember that yeah. trans guys are around and that trans guys who have sex with other guys are around. Well, thank you so much for letting us uh, talk to you. It's been really helpful, and I think a lot of people will be really excited to hear this episode. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Community Exchange is a product of the Capacity Building Team at Asian and Pacific Islander Wellness Center. For more information on the services offered by both our team and our agency, please visit us online at www.apiwellness.org.